Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back on the Chase Thomas podcast late on a Monday where I am now joined by someone who's gotten to watch so much great football, great offensive explosions, all that good stuff over the last couple weeks, keeping Jets fans happy. Um, he got his mom involved in how to approach Jets fans uh, this week to get into the holiday season. Uh, a great Twitter follow and also a great writer who covers the Jets for the New York Daily News, DJ BNMA. How's it going, sir? Going good, man. You know, just trying to keep my head above water, man. You know, making sure I don't get devoured by Jet fans. <laughs> How has that been? How has it been this season? It's been fun, man. You know, there's always a dream to cover a pro team. There's always a dream to, um, well, our NFL football team, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, that was the dream. So being able to do that, first year on the beat, it's been, it's been a lot of fun, you know, just understanding the responsibility that comes with this job. And but still having fun with it and always engage with the fans and things of that nature. So it's been it's been a lot of fun. What's been the the biggest thing you've learned since being on the beat this year in Jetsland? Um I think the big thing I've learned is like how important your relationships are with agents. I didn't hmm. I didn't anticipate um Do they reach out to you that. or do you reach out to them? How does that work? You gotta reach out to them. Mm-hmm. If you don't if you you don't have relationships with agents, you won't. It'll be hard for you to like break some stories. Yeah, um, those are the people that will give you those nuggets. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something I didn't anticipate. Um, but that, that's probably the biggest thing that that I've learned this year for sure. Is that how you have to get in touch with most players first, or does it still go through the team first, or do you just go to agents and be like, "Hey, I want to what about this person?" It depends. Mm-hmm. It depends. Um, uh, I think, in my opinion, if we had locker room access, then there should be three ways where you can just go through the PR, or you can go through the player directly, or you can go through the agent. But right now, it's just, you know, if you want to talk to a player specifically, most times you have to go through the PR. Off season, you can go through the agent. Um, it just depends. But overall, though, um, you for sure have to go through some gatekeepers, to say the least. I know all about that podcast booking and everything. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, and it doesn't seem like there's always like one uh, the one best way to do it. You kind of just it's a case by case basis a little bit. Um, what's been your favorite story you've written uh, thus far in the beat? Oh, for sure, writing about um, Brandon Echoes. Okay, um, Chuko kid. He started out uh, at I think Northwest Community College, um, Mississippi. Played from seventeen eighteen. Got a got a D one scholarship to go play at UK. Um, was there at nineteen twenty, and then obviously entered the draft. And then you know this year I remember writing that story because I'm also a former JUCO athlete. Um, I played football at a couple of JUCOs, ran track also at my final JUCO in Cali. Got a track scholarship, and I just understand like how difficult it is to make it out of junior college. There's so many kids that never ever like go back to school after junior college fails you know they just end up working a regular job or whatever which is fine but like you know they just football ends for them and everything just gets pretty basic for them for the most part um it's hard for a lot of them to recover because like sports has been their life um and it's again it's very difficult so many variables are out of your control prime example um recruitment like you the football players sometimes you can have the best film, the best stats, 
But if no, if you're not in the right area and nobody knows you, then you won't get recruited. Or you you can have all you can have the recruitment, et cetera, but if you don't have the right grades, then you're cooked. Or you know, like if you're playing the wrong position, now it's gonna be hard for your teams to take that that chance on you. And then when you finally get the scholarship and you get to that school, now you got to compete with freshmen that they will put, if it's even, they're going to put the freshmen on the field because they get them for four years. And you have to juco transfer, and you got to make an impact immediately. Or if you don't make the impact, you'll just get lost by the wayside. I've seen so many kids get lost by the wayside. Um, and again, like I think, uh, I think a little bit under, for the, I want to say the 2018 class, the one that Brandon Eichels was in, I think a little bit under where you combine um, the and NJCAA and the the triple C AA in Cal the California Juco schools. I forgot the number that I had, but I know it's a little bit under ten thousand kids um in the JUCO and only two percent of them got a division one scholarship. Hmm. So yeah, so like that just goes to show like how difficult it is. And like we're not even including the kids that went to JUCO and try out for the team that they even make the team. Because one thing about you go, so many kids go there and they believe, genuinely believe, because there's a lot of, for you to go to, you have to truly convince yourself mentally that you can make it to the highest level. So there's a lot of kids that go to you go that think they can make it to the NFL, not just go to D1. So when they get there and it fails, um, they're kind of, you know, they're kind of broken. And, and for me to be able to write that story about Brandon Echoes, how he's able to overcome all that and make it, the University of Kentucky and get on the field and play and then get drafted, you know, it, it, that that's a great story for itself because there's so many kids that they want to be Brandon Echols in that aspect. They they That's what they dream about. That's what they pray about, all that. And he was able to do it. And then he caught a pick six against <laughs> the Dolphins. Last, you know, this past game on Sunday, he caught a pick six. And, like, he's legitimately, like, an inspiration to a lot of people that are going to embark on that journey when they try to go the JUCO route or they're currently in JUCO. Like, I know, because I used to do it, there's a bunch of kids right now, a bunch of college JUCO athletes that saw Brandon Eccles catch that pick six, and they believe that can be them. So that's why, um, that's for sure, without a doubt, my favorite story. I like it. I like it. Well, you mentioned you did track, and this was not on my sheet, but I have to ask you, because um, I, I, that's the one thing I like watching the Olympics, and I, I ran uh, distance when I was in high school. I didn't do it in college, and yeah, you would smoke me, obviously, but uh, I am curious. 100, 400, or 800? What do you think is the hardest? The hardest part of eight? Okay. Not the four. You run, yeah. You got to run two 400s. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, you got to split. Like, you got to be able to run. Like, dude, are, are really fast. Like, they can split. Um, like, they can split, like, uh, you know, like a 40, 48, 49, and then come back around and run, like, uh-huh. a, you know, split like a, you know, come back and split like a 50-something. A like, it, that that's hard. Like, my best friend, um, his name's Cheek Peck mm-hmm. at, at ACC um, when we were at Louisville. Yeah. Um, our senior year, like, he was running 400, and he ended up, like, he got hurt, and then he ended up switching back to 800, which is more his natural race, and at ACC, like, he ran, like, a 149, like, 149.1 or something like that, and, like, the wear and tear it did to his body was completely insane. That's what hmm. I think is for sure. 
That's it. What did you run specifically? No, I, I ran the 100. The 100 is probably the easiest race out of. I would say, yeah, yeah that seems like it. But I would still like I. I was distance. Like I can't. I can't do any like short bursts. I have no short burst energy whatsoever, and I still do uh, long distance and running. Like that's. I. I always marvel at the folks who can just smoke on uh, short distances because I. I don't know how to do that. I. I was. I. I don't have that gift. I have nothing in me that can do that. I could just do the longevity. I'm the Frank Gore of uh yeah. of track and cross country yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's cool that's cool now i know now i can say like no i touched dj 800 is the hardest 800 is the hardest um well there you go there you go and for folks wondering about distance i will tell you 3200 is the hardest distance and to keep yourself oh, going right. around a track because it gets boring man eight laps around a track is really really boring like you got to keep going and you got to pace yourself and it, it's it's not fun it, it, it 3200 is not a fun race um which naturally brings us to this game on sunday you talked about miami and the pick six and everything there but um what what happened against miami why did the the jets ultimately fall on this one um so obviously their defense we're running defense was porous it was it was terrible atrocity so many words <laughs> i can describe run out um they give 183 yards rushing to a team that was averaging 79 yards per game rushing um so that was the main their main issue because past even they actually did a pretty good job against Tua talking about love forced two interceptions held him to under 200 yards and a passer rating of 75 when he had went four games in a row with 100 pass rating or better um offense started out really well they scored 17 points in the first half and then Dolphins made some adjustments. They just didn't have any answers. Um, I think it was a combination of Zach Wilson not um, – there, there were some plays where she was in your open, but there were also some plays where he was hesitant to throw the ball to some tight windows. Um, there was one play where he – the strip sack, there were guys open. He was just trying to go for the big play. And you got to understand, like, how to manage the game in that situation, especially when – you're in a game that you were a 10-point underdog. Like, you have a chance to pull up an off upset against a team that's they're, – they're fighting for the playoff lives. And, um, you know, he had that turnover. I think it was in the fourth. Um, and, you know, the offense just couldn't get going. And then that second half, they couldn't run the ball. And when they passed, um, there were some protection issues um, in terms of when the Dolphins brought some disguises and some blitz schemes that threw, threw the Jets off a little bit. And – uh you know, some receivers didn't open as well as they needed to for a young quarterback that's still having issues throwing in the tight window. Then, I mean, um, and another thing, you know, he's he struggles under pressure. Like, like there'll be times where there's guys in his face or close to him, and, like, he'll, he'll, he'll double clutch or he'll run out of the pocket, things like that. Instead of staying in that pocket and delivering some, some strikes, this is the NFL, man. You can't run around and turn into backyard football every time you have a little bit of pressure. So the combination of, th- of those things, um, the run defense was terrible. Um, the offense couldn't get much going in the second half. I think they had like less than 60 yards combined in the second half, and they had 100 yards total in the first half. I mean, the first quarter, in the first quarter, they had 100, and in the entire third and fourth quarter, they only had they had under 60. So that's kind of my my two cents on on everything. Why why has Zach Wilson struggled as much as he has? Um, so I think it's it's a, it's a few things, right? His play style. Um, his play style doesn't translate as well as people thought. Like he, he kind of plays, plays stylistically. He plays like Aaron Rodgers slash Patrick Mahomes slash Kyler Murray mm-hmm. with the Oscar stuff. Um, but obviously he's not the athlete that those guys are, and those guys are pretty good within structure. Uh, something that Zach's still developing in that aspect to play within structure. So the whole run around stuff, 
like you'll get into a lot of trouble with that, especially for, at, at a very young spot in your career. Especially, you know, you know that runner off. He's not as athletic as those guys either. Um, a play that really stood out to me was uh, I think it was I think, I think third and eleven, I think third quarter, and he um, tried to outrun somebody, and I think it was Aaron, not Aaron, something Van Kiko for the Dolphins, um, for the Dolphins, and he tried to outrun him, and Van Kiko caught him mm-hmm. with, with ears, you know what I'm saying? So like he's not as fast as you know, some thought coming out. You know, he's not as athletic. Um, he's not he running away to... from Mountain West competition. <laughs> Correct. So, you know, they, they, they've had they've had to manage that. Um, he's had to, like, learn when to be loose and when to, you know, play make and those other times where he had to play within structure. And I think when his first read's not there, he can get a little, get some happy feet. When there's pressure on him, he gets a little bit of happy feet. But I think, you know, he just played like a typical rookie. Um, you know, we've been kind of enamored with the Joe Burrows and the Justin Herberts, Emma Baker and Kyler, their first years. And we kind of expect that to be the norm. But in reality, it's really not like that. Those are anomalies. Um, so I think, you know, a lot of things, his accuracy has been, has been hit or miss. Um, kind of, I think he has the worst completion percentage in the NFL. And his expected completion percentage is pretty bad also. Um, it's, it's, you know, just analytically, it's minus 10 like a good one is like, you know, you want to be around like good is like plus three. Um, some, you know, I think the best is Kyler Murray, like around six. I got to double check. Um, but, you know, like five to six, and that's like really elite, you know, zero. That's fine. But, yeah, he's minus 10 where like there's certain throws that are expected to be completed and he misses them. Um, he'll miss them. Like there's been plays where he'll throw, you know, skip the ball, throw the ball in the dirt. Um the time where he'll be a little bit too high with certain passes. Um, that's kind of, you know, been, been some of the things, you know, it's actually been hit or miss. The footwork's been hit or miss at times. Once there's pressure around him, um, you know, just having to adjust his speed at the NFL, sometimes not trusting his eyes and being hesitant, which is why he holds, like, he he leads the league, according to Jim Stats, as that he's at a first and second among starters. But he leads the league in um, – Time to throw, you know, and that, that's never a great sign, especially for a quarterback, unless you're like Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts, where you can just outrun guys or, you know, Josh Allen. You kind of want to be in that two six range. That's where a lot of the good, really, really good quarterbacks that, that can't, you know, make everybody mess be. Um, but, you know, he's around three, which is, explains that, you know, sometimes he holds the ball, he's hesitating, he's in trust with his eyes and telling him. So it's things like that. That explain why he um, why he uh, has struggled so much. And again, like you know, right now he's without Corey Davis and Elijah Moore right now, which also is you know contributed to that. He's down his two best receivers. But again, man, you know the offense was averaging four hundred twenty uh, thirty five yards when he was out, twenty four points. And under him right now, it's it's at two fifty seven since he's been back at sixteen points. Um, I understand, you know, you were about some of your guys, but under no circumstance should that ever be acceptable for an offense to be as poor as it's been since Zach's been back from his knee injury. Do you uh, do you think the Robert Sala and the the Jets coaching staff, um, Lafleur, are they concerned about Zach Wilson privately? Do you think at all? Privately, nah, because I think uh, Robert Sala, he's 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 always 
overly optimistic. He truly believes in his program and his coaching mm-hmm. ability. And, you know, there are traits that would make you wait around with Zach. Anyway, you know, he has really, really he has, he has elite arm strength. Uh, and, you know, he has some wiggle. He, he, he can make guys miss. So, like, you see some flashing of that playmaker ability. But overall, though, I don't think they're too concerned right now. I mean, they want him to play better, of course. But I think that that uh, rookie Juan is still kind of – that pixie does of being a rookie is still hovering over him. Whereas, like, oh, well, he's a rookie. You know, it's kind of like with a toddler where, like, anything that they do – you're going to praise it, you know, if they do something bad, you know, oh, you know that's, that's bad, but, you know, if they do anything good, it's top of the world, you know? So I think it's kind of how they are. But um, you don't see, like, a Josh Rosen-type situation here. Nah, because, one, there's not a Tyler Murray talent yeah. coming in. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, again, like, they don't have the number one overall pick. But mm-hmm. I think if, you know, if they had the number one overall pick and there was a Tyler Murray-type talent coming out, then maybe. But I don't, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Even though statistically, analytically, like the guy called Spade, Spade, right now to this point, he's been worse than Josh Rosen was as a rookie. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, but I will say, we'll mm. say that the ice for Wilson has been much better, was much better than Rosen as a, a rookie. Okay. Um, best quote has been who this year from you? The best player to quote? Yeah. Who have you enjoyed? Uh-huh. Who, which quotes have been the funniest? Which player has been the most consistent? Oh, so I think between um, Sheldon and Keenan Cole. Keenan Cole is pretty funny. The mm. rest of the people they don't really like to interview Keenan Cole in a press conference situation because like he's all over the place in terms of like Keenan Cole takes over the press conference and turns like like you know he'll he'll kind of turn it into more of like a joke in that aspect. Mm. Some people to be they don't really like that. Me, I'm I'm, I'm having a good time with it. Like, <laughs> No, it's Keenan Cole. Like, Keenan Cole don't move the needle in terms of, like, coverage and, like, quotes or whatnot. Like, he doesn't move the needle. Like, you know, like, I, I'm there. Like, when he's there, I'm having fun with it. You know, like, you, you can ask him a question and he'll completely go off the rails and talk about something completely different. I understand how I can annoy people because, like, they're trying to do the job. Mm. But again, it's Keenan Cole. Like, come on. You know, like, like if you need Keenan Cole to do your job, then. Yeah, if it's Robert Sala doing that or something like that, it's a different story. Yeah, yeah, Robert Sala's doing it, and that's different. But Keenan Cole, like, uh, whatever. Um, Sheldon Rankins, Sheldon Rankins giving us some, um, he's giving us some funny quotes. Um, he's giving us some exclusives. And Ty Johnson, Ty Johnson, the running mm. back. Um, he's giving us some really good quotes. Like, after the, after when, when Mike White became the starter, he said, you know, that, I think he said that's Mike effing White. And, <laughs> Yeah, like, like Mike's a dog. Like, we're not worried. <laughs> Mike White went out there for 405 yards, three touchdowns. And then, like, after the game, he's like, yeah, that's Mike effing White. <laughs> so, you know, we were able to roll with that. You know what I'm saying? So, Ty, you know, Ty's been a, been a good quote for me. Because one, like, Ty's in the anime. I'm in the anime. So, we will talk about some Dragon Ball Z stuff. So Okay. Or those three for sure. Zach, Zach's been good, too, because, like, you can ask Zach football questions and he'll break it down football-wise. And I like that. Um, and give you something to write about. So I would say those four for sure. Um, those four. I, I CJ Mosley's been good too. Like CJ Mosley, like he's he's been the ultimate pro. He's always been professional. Every time he acts, he shows up. I answer the questions and he goes on about his day. So I also respect that. Okay, I like it. I like it. Um, what has Robert Sala gotten right this season, and what has he gotten wrong? But he, the one thing he got right was the cornerback situation. Like mm-hmm. he didn't 
after any quarterbacks in the free agency, and, and people were very concerned about that, including me. Um, like, I had people within the building telling me, like, we're going to be so bad at the corner spot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, we just yeah. so bad. I, I, like, they were, they were worried, but obviously, Brandon Eccles, Bryce Hall, they really stepped up to the plate. They have stepped up to the plate, and they have played as well as you as they could, considering their draft position and uphill battle that they're facing. In all honesty, so that's one thing he got right. It was was the cornerback room. I think one thing that he got wrong was um, not having a veteran presence for Zach. Um. Yeah, not having a pre- better presence for Zach in the quarterback room early on through OTAs and through minicamp and halfway through training camp. You know what I'm saying? Like they had Josh Johnson, and Josh Johnson, um, credit to him, he's found a way to carve out a career for himself and got to respect that. But, um, you know, if you could have got – I mean, obviously they, 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 they traded for Joe Flacco, but Joe Flacco – he kind of made it obvious that he didn't want to come back. Because um, he said that at the time, there was too much uncertainty for him to, because one, Sam was still there, and he wanted to play, and he didn't know what they were going to do with the draft position. So that made sense um, why they didn't get him in the offseason. But just getting a veteran presence that could help um, guide Zach along the way. Because at that one point, everybody on the roster, because it was Mike White, Zach Wilson, and James Morgan, none of them had any NFL experience in the sense mm-hmm. of like played in. So I think, you know, that if you had that veteran presence, that would have helped with the game against the Patriots where he ate those four interceptions, you know, so he, he could have someone to, to lean on to, like, yo, what, what am I doing wrong here? Like, what's going on? Or I calm him down. Or just someone like to, to, to bounce um, ideas of how to get better. Granted, like, obviously you had Josh Johnson, but, like, somebody that's been a starter in this league that could have helped groom that process a little bit better. Um, at one point, it was just him, you know? So I think those, those are the two things that they've got in. You know, one thing that Solid got right, and another thing that Solid got wrong. Who uh, in the 2021 NFL draft do you have you liked the most? Who who do you think Jets fans should be most excited about um, from this latest class? I mean, yeah, if you follow my tweets, everybody knows that. Elijah Moore. <laughs> I love Elijah Moore. I think Elijah Moore has the ability to eventually become an Antonio Brown type receiver. Um, the way he gets in and out of his breaks, his hands, his speed after the catch, um, his ability to to win against man coverage. He did that against the Miami Dolphins, where he went for a buck forty, a touchdown, and had a sixty something yard catch against Byron Jones. Um, that's the one rookie that I'm most excited about because he has superstar potential like Elijah Red Tucker has um he's been a very good pick also for the Jets um I give him that credit but when I watch Elijah Moore I see okay yeah this kid can become something special this kid can become something dynamic that can be the reason why your offense is explosive because you know it says that so you need explosive offense so I like yeah, it. So. I like it. Um, do you think there are any staff changes after this year? We'll end on this. Do you think this is a situation where Salah, because of the kind of season this has gone, that he'll have to reorganize some some coaches or have to reorganize? Is there any pressure 
uh, on that front or even in the front office after this season? Um, staff changes? No, I don't, I don't think there'll be any staff changes. Especially on the, people act like the defensive side. I don't really see that happening simply because uh, everybody knows that they're undermanned. So mm-hmm. I think like everybody defensively gets a mulligan. So I don't think there'll be any changes in that aspect. Okay. What about offensively? Same thing. Uh, say same. They, they, they've been signed offensively outside of, oh, I think they'll probably, okay, I said it back. So they'll probably like reduce the amount of quarterback coaches. They have like, they have like four guys that deal with the quarterback. You have, you have Mike LaFleur, the Jets offensive coordinator, and then you have um, Zach Wilson's personal trainer, um, John Beck, who also played in the NFL. Who, yeah, obviously he's been in this. He's been in that offense, so you know he kind of understands. BYU um, too. What, he was a BYU guy too, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He was a BYU guy. They have um, Rob, Rob Calabrese, um, and then they have Matt uh, Cavanaugh. Like they have four different guys that work directly with Zach. That's twenty. That's twenty. That's twenty chefs in the kitchen. Mm. So I, um, I think there's a good chance that. They'll probably reduce them that that number. Okay, I like it. I like it. Well, um, what can we check out from you across the New York Daily News uh, this week, DJ? Um, good question. Um, obviously, you know, I had a piece about Zach having a blunder in regards to his question about the his answers about the question. I mean, about the question about oh, you know, how the offense been? How much responsibility falls on him for how? Much the offense has struggled, and he said, I don't worry about stuff like that. Tied that up. The Jets cornerbacks, they played extremely well against the Dolphins, gave them love on that. Um, and I'll probably, you know, um, write about the Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, um, <laughs> head-to-head potential snooze fest <laughs> that was anticipated coming into the season. I mean, most Jet fans and Jack fans thought that both of these quarterbacks were going to be playing much better than they are right now. So things along those lines I'll be uh, writing about. All right. There you go. There you go. Well, keep up the great work, man. Um, this is this can be fun to follow along as the season goes on and going forward uh, and seeing what the, the Jets do this offseason and how they wrap up this season um, and see what Zach does. And maybe he catches fire. It might happen. Like we've seen blips from Trevor, blips from Fields, but uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see if he can uh, end the season on a hot streak. That would be, I think, pleasant for a lot of Jets fans as if showing some life. Um, that would be good down the stretch here, I think. Right? Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. <laughs> DJ, thank you so much for the time. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, we'll have to check back in again soon. All right, no problem. Thanks for having me, Chase. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.